welcome in everyone. It's your man Dojo uh, with another fresh podcast coming to you. Uh, this, of course, is the Polish Ambassador with the Polish Ambastronauts Web3 Exploration, where we sit down with interesting folks, creatives, builders, uh, just generally interesting people, and have conversations about their life, you know, learn more about their story, and, uh, and any lessons, uh, you know, moving into kind of this Web3 journey. Um, we got a banger here today. We got a, a good friend of Mr. David Sigalski's. We've got Chris Dyer in the house. So Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, Dojo? Thanks for having me over in your show. It's uh, a beautiful sunny day out here in Denver, Colorado. Uh, where are you at? Well, I'm, I'm in the Bay Area, but uh, yeah, this actually, like, we got to connect for the first time ever back in February. We were at uh, TPA's launch party, part of ETH Denver, and had a chance to spend a couple minutes in the green room together, and man, I got, like, that conversation, you're, you're just a beautiful human being, by the way, like, just so much positivity. I finally get, like, where positive creator and some of those tags come from, because I walked away from our conversation just being like, this man is full of just pure generosity, kindness, and appreciation. Thank you, man. I try my best to be a good person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, may we all shine the light of the, of the source through our human physical existence. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. And, and I guess your story, you know, kind of starts in uh, Lima, Peru, right? Um, I was born in Canada, but I, yeah, I grew, I grew up in Peru till 17 years old. Yeah, nice, nice. And did I see somewhere that you kind of like, one of the turning points was starting to do like uh, stuff with broken skateboards and kind of like reinvigorating and... Yeah, so basically I've been skateboarding since 1986. I'm that oh, old. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I still skate my knee. It's not the best these days, but I still love skateboarding. And uh, I went to school for like a million years. Uh, but when I left school, uh, college, university, whatever, uh, it was like, okay, what do I, you know, what kind of art I want to do? And the first kind of art I jumped into was uh, skateboard art. At the same time, I was a tree planner uh, for three years. And that put me on the positive path of like, oh, wow, this world is nature, this world is trees, this world is, you know, life. Yet I'm playing on these pieces of wood and it didn't make me feel guilty, but I was like, okay, I don't want to stop skateboarding, uh, honored wood that I'm using to skate, sometimes a skate would last me a week, a month, or half a year, depending on how badly I, I learned my, I, I landed my tricks. Um, so then I just decided to start making art on broken skateboards. And uh, yeah, that kind of became my thing. That, uh, that was like 2003 when I finished school and there was some people who were painting broken skateboard, skateboards, but in Montreal, kind of became my thing where whole shows where I would bring 50 plus uh, painted broken skateboards from me and my friends. And uh, yeah, so that's how I started getting into the world of art as the guy who was painting psychedelic visions on broken skateboards. And of course, you know, I moved on from that. I, I'll still paint a board every now and then, but uh, 
I've done many things since, you know, you yeah, just yeah. can't stay to one thing forever. And is it, um, I saw this tag or phrase of visionary art. Um, can you just, for myself, you know, education or other people, like that's a relatively new term. So what kind of fits in that box and what's outside of that box? Right, uh, visionary art is a term for, it's kind of like an umbrella for uh, interdimensional, art that comes from the mystical visions. Mm -hmm. May it be done through entheogens or just natural meditation and yoga and spiritual work. Trying to depicting the spiritual side of the human experience. <laughs> and um, so, you know, there's different versions of visionary art. Psychedelic art is visionary art. Uh, really any art is visionary because it comes from your inner vi visions and inner expressions because everything is spiritual and everything is soul expressing through the physical realm. But when people think of visionary art it's basically visions from the spiritual world. Mm. And uh, yeah, so and, that, and that's, a, that's a big part of your story, right? Um, I've also seen that like you have a personal shaman. We talked a little bit about ayahuasca and some of that in the, in the green room, but mm -hmm. talk to folks about like how that's impacted your life or kind of how, yeah, just see maybe even the story of like how those early days, you know, when you didn't have a shaman to then all of a sudden you've got a shaman. That's, that must be a super interesting story. Right. And once again, I don't have one these days, but <laughs> I've worked with different, uh, you know, uh, people who are more advanced than me on the yeah. spiritual path than myself. So I, I try to learn from those who are more advanced in any, any uh, way. But um, yeah, I always felt like when I look at the drawings that I was doing when I was a kid, it was always about the world of imagination. So the world of imagination is also a visionary place, you know, it's a, something that doesn't exist that comes from a, you know, non-physical place and you bring it on to a painting, a drawing, whatever. And then you can see something that didn't exist before mm -hmm. you, drawing it or at least the the drawing uh, makes it visible on the physical plane uh as for visionary art or my visionary art uh in uh conjunction with um psychedelics or entheogens um i guess my path with that has been varied throughout the years i guess i started smoking weed around 18 years old so kind of late compared to people these days late. but that was right which i'm appreciative for because it, it helped me give a contrast and a perspective from you know from what we usually see um then i started using mushrooms um uh, san pedro uh cactus since i'm from peru um and other psychedelics here and there, but uh, the work with ayahuasca more came when I was 33 years old. I was in Peru. I was doing a solo show in Lima, and I was talking to this one shaman for years online, and he came to play music at my 
my exhibition and he's like so are you gonna come to the jungle and meet ayahuasca and I was actually pretty resistant to do it because it had become such a fad in the you know hippie festival that we do and I was like well I don't want to do it in the wrong intentions I don't want to do it just because it's the cool new thing that people are doing to feel like they got some kind of superior whatever plus I'm also very rebellious I if people think like oh uh, here's a Peruvian artist who's doing psychedelic paintings he's probably getting these visions from a particular portal or entity and I was like no man like these paintings come from my heart come from my own internal conversation with spirit and I don't need a a drug or psychedelic in order to bring forth these things so I was kind of like no I, no thank you I don't want to do this thing just to do it and you know have it ghost right through me but when I met that shaman in person at my show and he invited me to the jungle my wife at the time because now I'm divorced uh, was like we got to go to the jungle we have to, this is going to be very important for your life we have to do this so I went and I communed with that spirit and it was a super potent um conversation what she showed me was very profound uh i had never really seen so much ironically uh when i take psychedelics it's more like a feeling than a vision mm. but with ayahuasca it was like full-on visions of these different dimensions and even just a place so deep that was past time and space. And I was like really impressed wow. by the access I had been granted through that. You know, and at the time I was like, okay, I just, you know, I did it to learn maybe some curiosity and I was good and I was just gonna move on with my life where at the time I was not doing any medicine at all. But then when I encountered uh, struggles with my marriage, mm. uh, it was a very tricky thing because we loved each other, but our paths had diverged into different, di uh, different directions. She was getting very sick. Uh, you know, she was getting a bunch of different uh, physical problems and she needed me there as a good husband to back her up through that process. But at the same time, my career as an artist was blowing up. I was getting invited to go around the world and paint yeah. and teach and, and, and do my service, uh, which I've always felt my whole life is why I'm here on this planet. So it's a very conflicting thing. So I was like, I feel I need to go and commune with spirits. So I went to the jungle, I did a whole dieta and on a series of ceremonies and actually ayahuasca told me like yes you have to let go of that relationship you have to divorce as hard as it is to let go of your beautiful life with a beautiful wife in a beautiful house in a beautiful neighborhood because if you stay in your marriage you will be there to heal one person which is good enough mm -hmm. But we're at the time on the planet where we really need to bring up the vibration. We really need to uh, awaken or help move people on their own spiritual path. 
So if you let go of that relationship, you can be out there as some kind of missionary for love or soul or whatever and uh, serve thousands of people. Mm. And that is more needed these days. And you're more here on, on this lifetime to do that service than to be a husband and, you know, live a normal life. So I, I divorced and not only I saw that ayahuasca gave me that particular answer, but also that I had to continue doing my uh, purges, my cleanses, my, my centerings with it yearly as to always be centered in the true me uh, to be able to serve from my higher self as opposed yeah. to my human ego self. So yeah, that's been many years, seven, eight years that I've been working with ayahuasca. It's been really difficult work. It's yeah. uh, not a fun situation. It has fun aspects and it has uh, aspects where it leaves you in a place of peace and and balance and gratitude and, and knowing who you truly are. But to get to those states, uh, you have to go and face your fears and your bullshit and your yeah. and your struggles. And uh, it's not easy work. And the more you advance on it, it almost seems like the harder it gets. <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> you've graduated to this stage. Okay, now we're going to make the challenges even harder. <laughs> yes. Yes. I've certainly seen that in my world as well. It's like the the more higher level somebody is, the more willing they are to say, I don't know anything. <laughs> like all, everything that I thought was true is maybe now on the on the table. Um yeah, right. that, that really resonates with me. Um talk, let's talk a little bit about travel. I mean, so I love this kind of tag of, you know, missionary for love, this larger vision of helping, increasing the vibration for the world. I actually sat down this morning and watched one of your uh, web webisodes, kind of the, the, what do you call it, the art ventures or art, uh, you know, travel videos uh, in India, because I had spent some time there, and it's great to kind of see your footage from Delhi to Jaipur to Agra, of course, to see the Taj Mahal, and then, uh, and then it looked like you had a, a cool experience in, was it Rishikesh? Rishikesh. Rishikesh. Yeah. yeah. I love traveling. So basically, um, I'll, I'll put it a little bit uh, to the root. So yeah. uh, around age 21, like I lived a fun life. Uh, I was an artist. I was a skateboarder. Uh, but I was still in a state of negativity, drinking too much, doing mundane human things in order to find my happiness the wrong ways. And there was a yearning to like, you know, move forward or, you know, find my true self. So that's when I went tree planting. And through tree planting, uh, I started hanging out with hippies for the first time. And then you, you start getting new philosophies and uh, meditation and yoga and proper eating. And, um, do you, do you, and so, sorry to interrupt, but do you remember the first kind of philosophy change or like if we go back to some of those early conversations, what were some of those initial conversations that like something that you believed was challenged and maybe you flipped? Well, in tree planting, you are presented with a land that got deforested and it's a bunch of just like broken down land with no trees and just just and you go there and you plant your trees around mm -hmm. 2000 a day 
and um, and that's every day for months. Wow. And in that place, uh, you're just by yourself. It was Walkman days with cassettes, so you hear <laughs> your music, and then you run out, and you're just in silence, and you're just planting. So it's like a meditation. And that's where at first it's like, damn, like this is the reality of the world. Yeah. Uh, I've been living in cities all my life, Lima, Ottawa, Montreal, and it's all this constructed reality, houses, roads, culture, people. And they're telling you what reality is. But once you leave that and you're hours away from that and you're just in nature with the insects and the dirt and the trees, you're like, whoa, this is the reality of yeah. this place you know nature and that really kind of like as simple as it, it should be is like okay like i gotta pay more attention to the nature of the planet to the, the nature of me around that time i was also reading one of my first spiritual books i always read the bible as a kid but uh the first spiritual book i read was the celestine prophecy and it was a spiritual book with no culture it was just like about a guy traveling Peru, uh, finding these manuscripts that gave him uh, spiritual thing, uh, realities like synchronicities and being able to visualize uh, auras and uh, stuff like that. And I was like, oh, like, you know, this sounds cool. Like yeah. it's like connecting to the true essence of spirit and God and not just like a bunch of dogma and uh culturally flavored uh, expressions of what God should be. Mm -hmm. So the combination of that and being in nature and then meeting hippies who were telling me how great traveling is, I was like, all right, I'm gonna like, you know, change. I wanna be good. I wanna be of service. I wanna use my art for the betterment of the planet. And that's when I like consciously uh, chose to be positive and do positive things and use my art for good. Um, so then I started traveling. I started yes. hitchhiking around Canada. Uh, I started hitchhiking around the States, Hawaii, Mexico. And hitchhiking is very interesting because you're leaving it up to chance. You're putting your farm out there and you don't know who's gonna pick you up. You don't know what that person who picks you up is gonna tell you or the message that will give you. And, but once you start listening with a spiritual perspective, you start hearing the voice of God through the experiences that it it gives you. Yeah. Um, so I got addicted to traveling, and uh, once I became less broke and a little bit more financially empowered, I started traveling the world. By now, I've traveled to around forty-two different countries. I've uh, you know done extensive traveling travels to many countries and learned from each culture and just seeing beneath the culture, how we're all just one soul expressing in mm -hmm. so many ways, including India. So India was one of my later trips. I did it around the time I was turning 40. And uh, by then my career was doing very good. I had had this solo show in Miami during our basil. I had some good sales. I was feeling really good about myself. And it's like, all right, like you, I've always wanted to go to India. That seems like a tougher kind of traveling. Yeah. Let's do this. Um, at the same time, uh, right before I had traveled to Australia and I hanged out with my friend, uh, Olivia Jane, 
And she had told me that in Rishikesh, there was this uh, old ashram of the Maharishi where the Beatles had stayed at back in the day. But by now it got abandoned in the eighties and then nature grew over it. Mm -hmm. And by now it's a tiger reserve, but that there were allowing street artists to go in there and paint stuff. And I love painting murals for jobs or, or for fun. That was purely like, oh, wow. this is fun. This is for me. This is for painting something very interesting, a place that's collected a lot of energy. Yeah. So that was the main reason why I wanted to go to India, to go to Rishikesh and paint at the Beatles ashram. Um, the whole trip was like a whole month just traveling for the fun of it. Only at the end, I did a little bit of work. Uh, I painted, uh, I taught uh, a workshop in Goa, which was really nice. I always love teaching and passing on whatever information I, I have to young artists to empower them. But Rishikesh was awesome. So this uh, guy, Julian, helped me uh, communicate with the locals and they gave me this egg-shaped meditation dome um at, on top of a building and it was such a beautiful structure to paint at the same time india is so ghetto that you just can't get paint just like that smuggled <laughs> so, in a couple spray cans which is super illegal because it's <laughs> spray cans are flammable and they don't want you to bring flammables in, in your suitcases but i i just threw some around my suitcase and my girlfriends at the time yeah and then you buy buckets of paint but it's not like you buy a bucket of paint that's like a certain color like you yeah. go to home people here like, i want this color and this color no there you just buy a bucket of paint that's white yep. and then you little bottles of Make your like, own. and then you got to put the tint and just mix it and so it was like super roots and i had to paint it with a brush and it was super difficult the lather was made out of bamboo it was so <laughs> dangerous and but i loved it i loved it it took uh, me like days to paint and i had such a good time and still it's out there in rishikesh where people take pictures with it and yeah it, it, it was a great thing to do <laughs> that's amazing so is that i mean you've painted thousands of pieces but does that one stand out i mean not saying it's like on your mount rushmore of top four but like that's one that you think you'll remember when you're you know you know, life is about the experiences that you live. And that was a great experience. And luckily that is the kind of painting that people won't bomb over. Like I can paint a mural here in Denver and sure, maybe more people will get to see it, but because Denver is like a rat race of artists all trying to compete with each other and trying to be like, hey, I'm the new artist. People will go over my mural without wow. any, you know, remorse because you know that's that's the, that's the streets and i accept that that street art it, it's cool but in india it's honored it's like whoa chris dyer came here he painted this beautiful thing on his own budget on his own effort for people to enjoy so people leave it alone they take their pictures with it and it gets respected and and honored and left you know for other people yeah. to enjoy it so yeah, I would say it's one of my top five uh, pieces that I've uh, painted, at least mural uh, that I appreciate. And uh, 
yeah, and I'm super stoked that I did. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, and again, not to force you up like a competitive hierarchy, but it now it begs the question, is there a number one on that list? Like your favorite of all time or like, or is oh. this like asking, you know, like the dad, like, which is your favorite child? Like they're, they're all your babies and you love them equally. Yeah, I love every painting that I do, but there's some paintings that I do that I'll be like, whoa, that one came out really nice. Like, I don't know what was going on in me yeah. that week. Like, I'd say one of my best ones was something I painted in, in a weed farm in North, Northern California last summer. And really, only the 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 Mexican trimmers that that trim around that uh, container get to see it. Wow. But it was a really nice portal. Uh, then there's another one that maybe the painting is not like my most amazing painting, yeah. but the location that I painted it was also very special. I got invited in 2018 to paint at the Bob Marley Mausoleum oh, in Jamaica. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So at the, yeah, at the time that I got invited to do it is when I was doing that solo show in Miami and it was such a ambitious project that when I got invited, it's like, I can't even think right now to go to Jamaica and paint. Like it's, I, 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 I declined at the beginning and my friend Ray from Moksha family in Miami is like, dude, like you're getting invited by the Marley family, by the brother of Bob Marley place where Bob Marley grew up and it got buried and you're gonna decline that are you a Bob Marley fan it's like I fucking love Bob Marley dude like I've been loving him since I was 12 years old in Peru and his music has changed my life and it continues to uh, energize me and empower me and inspire me Fuck yeah, I'm gonna do this thing. So I love it. It was such an honor. I was very nervous to go to Jamaica as a white dreadhead dude at the time. I was like, oh, will they judge me? Or, you know, will people be aggressive towards me because of my choice of hairstyle? But everybody was really nice. You know, the Rasta that were at the mausoleum were all super roots, ital, one love, the true Rasta that sees past race and yes. physical expression. And they were all very grateful that I was there to do my service and empower their compound. So yeah, that's another one that comes to mind. And yeah, I painted around the world. I, I painted uh, in Palestine a couple of years ago. I got invited to uh, paint at a refugee camp, the biggest wow. refugee camp in in the West uh, Bank of Palestine. And it was, a, it was a sketchy, scary situation for me. I'm yeah. a sensitive being and hearing gunshots and people really around me that might not understand what I'm doing. I was there just to like paint pretty things on their walls and be of service and be like, hey, I honor you and your suffering. But they just see once again, like a white dude with tattoos and yeah. dreads they might associate it with perhaps their oppressors. Right. So the kids that were around me, because it was mostly kids, um, were very tricky on me. They kept on pulling my dreadlocks and throwing <laughs> things at me and maybe even making chants to like kind of like make fun of me. It was very challenging, but I'm so happy that I did it and that yeah. I went and I just gave what I had, you know, yeah. which is you know, my love through art. <laughs> ah, that's, that's amazing. And 
And let's make the connection here to, to TPA, because I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was Costa Rica, where, but maybe you've gotten together a couple times, but, you know, mm. talk to us a little bit about, like, you know, how did that uh, friendship kind of start or evolve, and maybe you tell us a little bit about the Costa Rica trip. Right. Um, the first time, uh, I, I have met him a couple of times before, and I'll, I'll go back to that. The first time I actually met him in person, um, the Polish ambassador uh, just kind of like hitting me up being like, Chris, I really love what you're doing and, and, and your vibe. Let's hang out. It's like, yo, we're both going to be together in Chicago at North Coast Festival. So he came to my mural and he came in his little golf cart and he just drove me around the thing. And I felt so special being with the Polish ambassador in his golf cart. And we went uh, to the backstage to have a meal together and just have a good conversation. That was the first time I'd hanged out with him face to face. But I had seen him before, I've seen his performances, but one that I really remember was in Costa Rica at Envision 2015. Mm. And uh, in that opportunity, uh, David, who's always been a really righteous person in my eyes he's like okay we're coming to a different country to party and that's cool and all because i guess party uplifts spirits and it's a positive thing but how are we giving back to the people nice. uh and so he organized uh some kind of um just planting uh plants or agriculture uh can't remember the, the specific name for when you go to a place and uh, improve the so like the, the permaculture and like yeah sorry, permaculture Build little community gardens right he was doing a permaculture thing on this little school on top of a of a of a hill in Uvita close to where Envision Festival was at and I'm not much of a farmer but I'm an artist so <laughs> what it is I taught a workshop to the school there. So the school was so small that the class was only 30 people. They didn't have like different years. Mm -hmm. All of them were together. From different ages. And I went there and I gave him a speech in Spanish because, you know, I speak Spanish being Peruvian. And then I painted a, a kind of like a skeleton of a mural. And I had the kids come and help me paint it together. Nice. That was super awesome to paint with all these uh, countryside Costa Rica kids and do something together. And, you know, the Polish ambassador was around and I saw him, but I didn't really speak to him because I'm not about to go, um, you know, fanboy on anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the roots. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, now we're we're all fanboy on you. I, I, I got to say, since we reconnect, since I reconnected with David and again, we we went to college together like 20 years ago and, and we stayed in touch off and on, but I definitely was not going to festivals and all of these sorts of things. I just rise up to the ladder to this kind of prolific artist and just great person. But then we kind of reconnected around this whole movement of Web3 and NFTs. And, um, and I would have never imagined this, but now, you know, we're literally like talking every day. And so it's super cool to, you know, kind of when your paths come together, you know, and I don't know how long they'll be together, but like just to enjoy this moment. Um, and I gotta say, like, 
for the months that we've been building, you know, there's one project that keeps coming up in time and time again, and that's the Galactic Gang project, man. So, so kudos to you and you know, Kyle, and the, you know, the whole squad. I mean, you guys have built something amazing, but walk us through that process of how that went from an idea to an actual thing to now, you know, it's it's generating some real money and you are creating some kick-ass experiences for a really cool community. Thank you. Um, yeah, the whole thing with NFT came around 2021, around March. That's where in one week I had like five different people hit me up being like, Chris Dyer, have you heard of NFTs? And we should do one together. And I'm like, oh, wow. It sounds very interesting. And I can see there's a lot of, hello. Uh, and I can see there's a lot of money in it, but I'm not just gonna like uh, jump into it uh, just be, with not knowing what it is. So I had to give it some time and uh, learn about it and see the, the goods and the bads and what it was all about. And then I, around a few months later, I started like I think in fall of that year, I started doing my first NFT offerings and it went well, it sold out right away. Did a second one, went well again. And meanwhile, my brand here in Denver, Positive Creations, uh, was telling me like, hey, we should do a whole series of thousands of them. And I'm like, whoa, that sounds super ambitious. I don't know if I wanna do that many, but then they told me about how it is to do uh, generative mm -hmm. PFPs that it's not like you're drawing thousands of uh, of you characters draw the layers, right? And then right. mash you're them drawing, up together. Right, you're drawing the eyes, the nose, the mouth, the ears, the crown, the body, and then an algorithm code kind of shuffles it all up, creating new uh, creatures from it. Uh, so I had to wrap my head around it first. But then once I left Canada last uh, Halloween, October of 2021, and I got here, we went out for lunch and the dude's like, okay, Chris, are we gonna do this? And he's like, well, I'm here, let's, let's do this. So I started drawing and then we started generating it and I was amazing at the creatures that were coming out because it's almost like I was collaborating with AI, yeah. which I always resisted because you know, there's a lot of neg negative connotations to new technologies that we don't understand, but a lot of beautiful stuff was coming out of it. And then it's like, okay, and now we're going to do this whole community that once again, I didn't really understand what I was signing up to. <laughs> um, but then we did it and we meant it. And, you know, thanks to the spirits, it all sold out. And now there's this whole community of thousands of people who are in the gang. And yeah, we continue working on the project, doing uh, live events, uh, uh, metaverse events. Um, uh, we went to Hawaii recently to plant uh, hemp to uh, offset the, the gas that costs to, to mint these things. Um, and, you know, I weekly talk with my community, we give out airdrops, uh, right now I'm drawing the bodies of these creatures to do other things that I'm not allowed to talk ah, about. <laughs> too much alpha. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
and and so on. There's just so much writing a book about what these Galactic Gang uh, members are. Was that based um, on the lore, like community yeah. submissions? Whoa, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. We had a contest with people who were telling us what their Galactic Gang member was about yeah. and what the Galactic Gang universe is about. For me, the Galactic Gang are fifth dimensional, interdimensional spirits that serve as guides to humans in the physical realm in our process of going back to the light and finding balance again in a time where good and evil are fighting it out. So they're kind of like our our truer selves on a higher dimension trying to guide us through this process of ascension. Um, so now we're writing like a whole book about like, you know, the whole story about it, which is really Amazing. fun too. Yeah, so it's been a really great experience and uh, yeah, very empowering. I, I'm, I'm down with NFTs, I'm down with Web3. Uh, on the Web3 side, we've created a whole plugin where people can now connect their wallet to their Shopify store and buy wow. exclusive products that are made only for the Galactic Gang. And we're also making it soon enough that they can also get discounts on my brand, Positive Creations, yeah. and so on. So all of this is like super new territory. Even our metaverse is just kind of like a sketch to what will be in the future. But it's all very beautiful. And I don't have so much resistance anymore, resistance anymore to these new technologies and ways of going because, you know, technology is in the middle. It's what you bring to these technologies, what you use these technologies for that can either bring medicine or poison to a community. And yes, there are the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world who will use those technologies to, you know, create more control and unbalance and, you know, go do it just for the money. But that shouldn't stop the good people and the good communities from uniting in these new places and platforms to bring magic and creativity and medicine. So yeah, uh, I'm down and happy to be playing this new video game. <laughs> that, that's amazing, man. And and by the way, I picked up my first Galactic Gang, like, uh, so thanks to the bear market, I was actually able to afford one. You guys were at like one ETH at some point. So, right. so again, kudos to, you know, a great project, healthy floor, awesome gang. And like, I can officially say I'm part of the gang now. Yeah. Um, well, welcome to the gang. Yeah. Thanks, uh, man. Yeah. The, 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 you know, crypto's low right now. So if people want to get in, it only costs a couple hundred bucks yeah. as opposed to when uh, the market was up and uh, where it was like over, you know, it was thousands of dollars and, you know, things go up, things go down and sure will go up again. Yeah. But it's not about the money, you know? And yeah. Sometimes we, uh, because there's a money element into this, uh, people can lose perspectives like, oh, uh, it's a low value now. So now the project has low values. Like, no, that's just uh, the cryptos ups and downs. Yep, and right. we're, still, we're still doing our things. I'm still working as hard as ever for the project, yeah. money or not. I've committed to, you know, create these things for my community that I love. And, you know, once things go back up, people will see that we were there in goods and in bad 
and then things will be even more prosperous and uh, abundant for us all. Yeah, yeah. And can I ask, I mean, this might even be an interesting question for, for David to listen into, but like, how are you balancing this? Because, you know, again, before Web3, this NFT project, you know, you were living your life, doing your thing, missionary of love, you know, spreading art. So how are you finding kind of the time pressures, you know, now of balancing contribution to this new thing and still, you know, getting out to do, you know, what you used to love? Like, is it another thing or is it maybe, a, is it complementary in some way? Um, it is complementary. It's like a new branch to my tree. Because hmm. uh, I'm just the artist, uh, you know, that's, I don't want to say channeling, because it sounds like pretentious, but yeah, like the art that comes from me somehow resonates with a lot of people. So mm -hmm. I'm just kind of like in the middle of being like, okay, well, I'm doing my service. It's not about me or being super cool or being above anybody else. I'm just another worker. Uh, and, uh, the branches that come out will have different leaves that give oxygen to some people. Say the branch that now has become the galactic gang, there's all these new people who are like, oh, wow, there's this art, there's this message, there's this vibe, and they're feeding off it and they're stoked on it. Like people who are really into the gang, they're there every week and they're stoked to be part of something that they hadn't found before. Maybe they didn't find positive creations or my travel show or my podcast or my live performances or my paintings. Like they might've just joined the gang and it's like, oh shit, this guy was doing all this other yeah. stuff before and cool, but I'm more into the NFT stuff and these like crypto people, that's their flavor totally. for the energy that that I'm trying to share. Um, that, was that was totally me, by the way, when I went and checked out like your YouTube channel, I was like, oh shit, this guy has been publishing stuff for 10 years. like. You know, right. like you're an OG, man. Like, it's not like you just started this yesterday. You've been putting out art and sharing your stories and documenting the journey the whole time. So you're just sitting on, you know, a war chest of, you know, great right. stuff and assets that could potentially be leveraged, you know, for, for this new branch or for new things. Right. And that's why the Galactic Gang worked out well. Um, yeah. If I would have been like not done all that work and yeah. groundwork from the beginning, and I just show up, it's like, hey, here I am, another artist with some art. Are you going to get in or out? People might have been like, oh, it's cool art, but I don't know if it will be good enough. But since it's like, well, it's Chris Dyer, and he's been at it for like 20 years. Uh, and there's no, there's, I doubt that he's going to like shit on his uh, brands and, and totally. artistic name to like do a rug pull where he takes our monies and runs away. Uh, I'm going to trust this one. Yeah. But yeah, like I'm not, you know, I appreciate money. Like I appreciate abundance and to be sustained. So then I can continue to do my That's art right. in, in comfort as opposed to always stressing out. It's like, oh shit, got to pay my mortgage and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I'm going to always do my art no matter what. That's yeah. why I was born. Like I'm a naturally creative, expressive person. Like the, the travel show. That's a lot of work, but mm -hmm. I never made any money from my YouTube stuff. And these days I do a podcast show and it's a lot of work. And each episode, I got to pay my editor, cost me money. And I'm not making any uh, profit from that, but mm -hmm. 
but it's my service, you know, like humanity needs more positivity. There's so much negative media. There's so much negativity in this world. I'm going to give as much positivity and nutritious content to whoever wants to feed from it um, as to raise the vibration mm-hmm. in the world or at least in that person who might uh, resonate with what I got to offer. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, quick plug if folks haven't checked that out. I actually just listened to your last podcast that you just released with Illuminati Congo. So I was just looking at my notes, just going, oh, like this guy is interviewing and talking with super creative, interesting people. So again, thanks for all those contributions out there. And for everyone tuning in here that is not tuned into that show, subscribe, hit the like, you know, all all the things, you you know what to do, you know what to do. But Chris has been putting out great stuff for a long time. Yeah, Chris Dyer uh, YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, now, you know, we're, we can kind of wind down here, but I'm just curious, what what advice do you have for either maybe people like you who have maybe big followings, you know, successful, but haven't touched NFTs or Web3 at all? So that's kind of like one category of person I'm thinking about. And then and then let's flip to the other side where maybe somebody has no audience right now, but they're super into crypto and NFTs and they want to be, you know, a creator and grow a following and do NFTs and all of that. So like, what advice would you have for kind of those two mythical uh, folks? <laughs> okay, for the established artist, I would say, Research this thing before you jump into the waters. Uh, have conversations with people who are already swimming in it. I've had to talk to so many friends. Like once, once I my my things were successful, I had so many friends come to me being like, "All right, Chris, tell me all you know." I was like, "Well, that's that's a, a, at least an hour long conversation." But you're my friend. Take the time. Then I made some Instagram videos kind of like explaining how it was for me to try to save myself some time because it was just eating a lot of, you know. Yeah, yeah. send them a link. Yeah, watch this first and then we can talk. Right. But um, I'd say know what you're getting into. Know what uh, a blockchain you want to support, uh, you know, because, for example, some blockchains use no energy. So that's better for the environment. Or if you're going to use a blockchain that does use energy so that it's more successful, make sure that you uh, give some of your profits to environmental charities that can replant uh, to offset that emission. Like that's a factor to look at. Um, and, is- and real real quick, real quick plug to Humans I Trust, NFTs, right? So again, we got you know their information yeah. from you and that is exactly what we did on our first drop was just going, Beautiful. hey, we're going to pick ETH because it kind of is where all the NFT action is, but we absolutely want to be carbon positive if we can. So we mm-hmm. held back money from our mint to do exactly what you're talking about, which I think is a fantastic move, but sorry, sorry to interrupt, continue. Thanks. Um, yeah, so that's one factor. Uh, also, if you're going to do a series, know that it's more than just putting our art out there and ducking out and that's that. No, you're, you're now like engaging with thousands of people and they want you to be there and communicate with them constantly and continually give them utility. So the work doesn't end by once it got minted and sold out. There's a lot starts. of work to be 
perhaps you don't want to do that work. I, I was talking with Android Jones. He's like, oh, I could do this very easily, but I don't want to be my time being owned by all these people forever. It's like, okay, well, that's your choice and that's totally honorable. Yeah, you might want to use that time to do something else that's more valuable for yourself. So those are a couple of variables, I would say, to the established artists. As for the artists who don't have that much of a following but are really into the world, I'd say, yeah, get into the world, buy other people's NFTs, get into the community, observe, show up to meetings, see what's working for them. And then if you're going to do an offering as an NFT, make a kick-ass NFT, you know, make amazing art, get it animated like by a good animator. So like what you're offering is like, damn, this is like a really cool offering. I want this just on the art sake. I don't know who this person is, but this is really cool. I want it in my collection. So that will help you out a lot. And um, yeah, just accept that you won't probably get what you want. If you succeed, cool. If you don't, that's just like the rest of the art world. You can go and put your painting in a gallery and it might not sell and that's la vie, you know, that's, that's and you just keep on trying or yeah. find some other place or platform to, you know, share your expression. Yeah, I love that advice. And I'm reminded of, there's a professor at the University of Pennsylvania by the name of Adam Grant. He wrote this great book called Give and Take. And he kind of talks about different people, you know, on the planet. Some people are givers, some people are takers. And they actually said the biggest category is matchers, you know, people that are trying to like make sure that everything's equal. So if you do something nice for me, I'm going to try and return the favor. But, you know, great things happen to givers. You know, they, they can kind of end up on the top of the pyramid. And by the way, they can end up on the bottom of the pyramid if they don't set boundaries and they let other people take advantage of them. But it's right. like this focus on creating value for others, I think, you know, it's just so true, like in the real world. And I, I've seen it work in the Web3 world as well. Right. There's karma too, you know, if you've been of service, if you've been giving, yes. giving, giving, then when it's your time to ask like, hey, buy my NFT, people will be like, you know what? You've been giving me years of content and things that inspired me. Yeah. I want in with you. But if you're just being out there, just taking, 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 maybe they won't happen so much. Yeah. Um, and uh, sadly enough, there's a lot of takers in this world. And sometimes even the givers, it's their time to be taken from. And you got to accept the ups and downs of the universe in the same way you got to accept the ups and downs of the crypto world. Yeah. I don't know why good people have to suffer and but it's just, you know, the picture is so big and I'm just a little grain of sand in a beach. So I just accept it all as good, all is perfect and beautiful in its own way. And at the end of the day, we all go back to the sea of love. Yes. So, you know, all I can do is try to get myself one step closer to the ocean and pull anybody I can with me back to love and oneness and giving and goodness and yeah try my best <laughs> that's that's so beautiful man and and i guess maybe my last question what's you know if you look out one two three years what what are some of your dreams intentions you know uh, i don't want to say goals but just w what's exciting you as you look forward uh in in your life um 
I've done a lot of things in on my path, at least artistically already. I've put out books. I've done my documentary. I've done many projects. I've exhibited around the world. I've traveled. At this point, I just want to kind of like simplify. I just want to once again find where I find to be home, to be at peace and paint even better paintings than before. At the end of the day, my biggest um, offering will be these paintings that take me like half a year to a year to paint mm. that people can see for years after my, my, my life has ceased to be. And I've left a lot of really nutritious goodness for people to enjoy. I'd like to do that, perhaps do a family thing. <laughs> I'm in my forties and uh, you know, still haven't found my one and created a human. Not that it that has to be that way, but it seems like something good to to do. <laughs> yeah, it's a good intention. Yeah. Um, and just continue being at service, you know, like the the NFT thing came out of nowhere. So I'm sure other things will come out of nowhere and be like, hey, maybe this year will be all about making a cartoon depicting this or that or I don't know, man, like uh, I, I'm just an observer and whatever comes my way. And if it resonates, I'm happy to be of service and uh, and give my offering. Uh, but for now, I just want to be, be I want a home. I want somebody to love and I want to paint. It's very simple. Basic, uh, necessities right there. Yeah, it doesn't have to be too complicated. I, I don't have to prove myself year after year like, Look what I'm doing. Am I good enough now? Do you guys like me now? It's cool. Can I feel good about myself now? Uh, fuck it. <laughs> I just want to feel good sitting wow. on this couch and well, uh, you know being myself. Yeah, I, I love it. And and I haven't read too many of the spiritual books, but you kind of reminded me of the one I read in well high school. I guess I read it in college as well. But like the Alchemist, right? Of mm -hmm. like just. It's a bit of that hero's journey and, you know, your treasure is out there and then all along, spoiler alert, you know, it's right where you started, right? So, so I love, you know, this conversation about, I mean, and again, just your humility, your generosity, your travels, um, you just brought so much joy to so many people for decades. And I love this mission of leaving some legacy pieces, you know, really focusing, getting to the next level of consciousness and letting it flow, not being too predetermined, but, you know, pay attention, be an observer, follow the good omens, you know, protect yourself from the negativity and, and the path will find you. So um, anyways, brother, this is, this has been amazing. The dog, the dog is barking. And, uh, and actually my, uh, I've got a guy renting our little Airbnb in the backyard. He's, he's uh, waxing his surfboard right now. So it seems like a good time for us to to close up shop as we head into the weekend, man. Nice, beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Dojo, for the beautiful conversation. Thanks for having me over. Big ups to David. And uh, yeah, I'll, hopefully I'll see you in IRL soon enough. <laughs> nice, man. Look at look at these 40-year-olds using these hip acronyms, IRL. We can do it. We can do it too. And I know, know that, like hey, right there saying that. <laughs> and, and, you know, I know, I know we floated it out there and I don't want to invite you over, but I mean, you know, there's a certain place in the Sierra foothills, you know, with goats that I'm sure would be a beautiful sanctuary to uh, hang out and resonate and vibe. And uh, yeah, just yeah. anyways, I know, I know David adores you and what you built. And anyways, it was just a real pleasure hanging with you today.
yeah, thank you. Hopefully I'll end up there uh, this, this summer as I tour around. Awesome, man. Awesome. All right. Be well. And thanks again, folks, for tuning in. And we'll catch you on the next show.